This is Patriot Sports Radio. Patriot Sports Radio. Fed up with the national talking heads and biases of mainstream sports media. If it's sports, from the high school level to the pros, we're talking about it. Like the red-blooded Americans we are. God bless America. God bless America. God bless America. Let's do this. Here's Eric, John, Chris, and the coach. Welcome back, my friends. If you're new, then welcome in to Patriot Sports Radio. My name is Eric. I'm your host. It's a beautiful spring day here in Seattle, Wisconsin, as it's 40 degrees and raining for the 39th straight day. But it's not all gloomy. I've got people to talk sports with me. All the cool kids are here. The impeccable John Shirley is live from Denver, Colorado. Next to me, Chris, very underrated, never duplicated, producer to the stars. But not only that, because also with us this evening is our number one fan who's not related to us and current person we have something in the works with, Hartford Zone, Go Orioles, Coach Smith. Coach Smith, welcome. Welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. He was on our live stream with us, too. I like it. I like it. Coach Smith is hanging out. Yeah, fun stuff. I'm starting to feel special. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's what we were going for. We got all kinds of stuff. We got NBA playoffs, this Miami NIL kid, the Packers draft. The Steelers have four sets of brothers. Cardinals might be the shortest team of all time. Hugh Jackson is a liar. The Saints signed Honey Badger. Weren't they broke? And uh, some other stuff divisions, win totals, etc. But, John, what question did you want to start with? All right, here's my question. In the wake of the Drew Holiday and Marcus Smart battle, the two nemeses, uh, who in your life is your nemesis? It could be somebody from grade school. It could be somebody from uh, – you see the mailman walking across the street. You know, for me, <clears throat> I do have a nemesis – and coincidentally, his name is John Shirley. So um, there was this guy. I've basically been sabotaging him for the last five years. Well, more than that. There's another guy named John who lives down in Texas. And anytime I go into a store, I ask, um, "Is am I in your system? And apparently we have all the same tastes because in about 25% of the stores I go to, uh, he's got reward points and then I steal them. So I've cashed in all his reward points. Um, I take surveys for him. At one point, we were working at the same company, and he was first name dot last name dot ext at the company, and I was the same thing without ext. And I kept getting forwarded documents, and finally, I kept typing to the guy like the other John Shirley, like, "Dude, tell your clients that you can't uh, send me these emails. I can't approve any of these documents." And after about three times of that, I said, "Screw it, I'm not forwarding anything back to this guy." And then about two months later, he no longer worked for the company. <laughs> so uh i would say i'm the marcus smart there where i i i still had the job and i i got the the rewards and then uh, he was the the drew holiday <laughs> i i actually i have a similar story we live in a small town and actually when i was a kid there was probably only fifteen thousand people in this town and there's another eric langenecker who's like three years older than me and he got into trouble all the time. He was in the paper for like getting arrested, burying uh, equipment and so forth. I got called in the office when I was a freshman and they were yelling at me because my truck was parked in the teacher's lot. I'm like, I'm 14. I don't have a truck nor a, nor a driver's license. Other than coworkers who shall not be named, 
that's that's as much of a nemesis as you're going to get out of me. Coach Smith, who do you hate? Well, I guess that wasn't the question. I'm sorry. That wasn't Thanks. the question. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your rival? Who's my rival? It could be as Man. petty as you want it to be. That's a, I mean, that's a tough question to ask, like being put on the spot, man. Like, I don't, I don't know. Coach Smith is a very friendly guy. There's got to be somebody that you, you underperform around. Maybe it's your father-in-law. Maybe it's, it's <laughs> somebody who you just, you get in your head and it's just like, gosh, that guy's here. Dang it. Well, it's funny. So I guess, um, one thing I could say is that, uh, so my, my best friend is as much as crazy as it sounds, right? My best friend, Jeff, he, uh, he's just one of those guys. You always, we all have a friend, right? That's just really good at literally everything, no matter what it is. Yeah. And then when you get into a competitive, yeah, I do hate that guy. And, and then, but like the, th- the thing is, is he knows me so well, cause we are really tight and everything that when we play against each other doing things, he knows how to get under my skin really well. And I think that that's probably, you know, him and I, like I said, we're best friends. He was best man at my wedding. But uh, when it comes to competitive things and we're against each other, we hate each other because him him better than I knows how to get under my skin really, really well. So I would say that that's probably a pretty good, pretty good answer, being, not having kind of being put on the spot there. I like it. I like it. Good stuff, boys. Speaking of being pissed off, the Bucks are getting their ass kicked right now. The NBA playoffs are just in the second round. Who's up one nothing? Milwaukee, not for long. Golden State, Phoenix, Miami, all up one zero. Uh I thought when the Bucks won game one so handily, I don't think they ever lost the lead in that game that Boston would sit back and say, Wow, we held Giannis to I don't know, he didn't hit his over. He was at like 24 or something. He didn't have the he didn't have the highest he didn't have the most points. Oh God, use words, Eric. Drew Holiday had twenty five. I think he had twenty four. And if they can't win that game, well, then I mean, obviously, we're never going to be able to beat these guys. But then they came out tonight, and I mean, they got up twenty points immediately before most people even got their first beer. What the hell's going on, John? Well, to be honest, I don't know. I think it all hinges on Giannis. I mean, I think he had, what, five points in the first half. Uh, I'm sure he'll come back. I wouldn't be surprised if they cut it close. Uh, I don't think they'll win. Right now we're sitting at 99.2% chance that Boston's going to win. But Boston's not um, immune from a collapse. And to be honest, uh, with Giannis on your side, anything's just about possible. And so, um, I I mean, Boston's always going to be good. They're they're still scrappy, so they're going to come out and swing hard. I wasn't expecting this, though. I turned it on as well, and I was just a little bit surprised. So it looks like Boston's probably going to wrap this one up. It's in Boston. You already took the first away game, so the series has started. Uh, I still like Milwaukee's odds. Um, You bet on that after last game, right? Yep, I had Double before down. the series started. I took Bucks and seven at yeah. nine to one, but then after the last game, I saw that Bucks and six was, I think, plus three fifty. So I took that too because I think, I think I'm pretty well covered. Then if they win this series, it's going to be in six or seven. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I I just think it's a matchup problem, just like any other team with Giannis. I know it as well as anybody else, being a Bulls fan. But you know, I I don't see Horford really 
really holding the holding the water for too long in the series. Um, and, and Giannis is just going to be Giannis. And I think it'll take a special team, primarily one out of the West, that could really take down the Bucks. I I just I thought this was a, a good bet for you to take the Bucks this series for sure. I just need Al Horford to hit two three pointers tonight. I think he's probably done that for me by now. They're hitting every shot they take. Last I checked, Giannis was one for 10. I think coach, you said he was two for 12. So he's heating up. Is this going to go seven games? Do you think? Orford needs one more three, by the way. Oh, geez. He's one of four. 70 points. We can't even get two threes. You know, Come on, man. The, the thing is about, about this, right? And playoff basketball is you're not, you start a series on the road and you steal at least one of those. You're in pretty good shape, right? Like, that's essentially what you want to do. You got to just try to steal one and you steal game one. That's pretty big. I, I'm, I'm a little surprised about how the bucks came out tonight. I, I think that uh, I expected the Celtics to come out and play really well. Um, the beginning of this game and um, they did. And I just, the bucks just kind of didn't match it for whatever reason it might be. But um, you know, with both teams being banged up and everything, I think it's going to be a long grueling series and, the Bucks. All the Bucks need to do is take care of business at home. I mean, easier said than done, too. Obviously, but uh, just watch the way that the Bucks moved the ball in Game One, and how unselfish they were, and they just continued to make the extra pass and find the open guy. And tonight, they're not doing that at all. They're they they got. I felt like they kind of got surprised early on because the Celtics didn't double Giannis right from the beginning. They're like, we're going to play this guy straight up and see what happens, type thing. Yeah, and uh, I think they were shocked by that because they all stayed home to shooters, and I had a feeling that that was going to be the case. And you know, Giannis, as much as people want him to play with his back to the basket, that's not his game, and he tried to do that early on, and that's when he starts to force things. So it's not surprising then after seeing the first couple minutes that they're in such a big hole. You were saying on our live stream that it's he's a a lot more effective now that he's learned to pass the ball. That even if they hold him you know, to a low scoring night, he's going to facilitate others. Seems like he's got uh four assists mm-hmm. so far tonight, but uh, yeah, I just saw a, <laughs> looking at the game here. I saw a, a series of events where Giannis had the ball stolen by Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, then hit a three and then Bobby Portis had a flagrant. <laughs> so <laughs> we're on a roll. Yeah, we're on a roll, but normally Giannis plays much better than this. And I had a good question about Giannis that would that would fit much better if he was having a night. Do you think, you know, watching game one, I'm thinking he's playing like a kid outside behind the school or something on a Saturday, just having a blast. Is it demoralizing, do you think, for these guys when he's just kicking the shit out of them? But, you know, having the time of his life and not not using swear words or you know, really talking any shit to them at all. I think it's, I think it, it's, it, I think it pisses guys off even more. The fact that he just has to talk, um, you know, and they, you know, if you're like, people talk all the time about Tim Duncan back in the day, how he just kind of did his thing. And like, sometimes, sometimes he, he, uh, would, they said he would like Kevin Garnett came out and talked about how he hated playing against Tim Duncan because KG, you know, obviously tried to talk smack all the time, tried to say all these things, right? And he just never would respond. Yeah. And then he said the weirdest moments, he would just like, Tim Duncan would look at him and be like, hey, nice play. <laughs> and then just go back to like what he was doing. And KG's like, that drove me nuts. 
that he yeah. would say stuff like that. And Giannis won't even say that. No, he doesn't even do that brain ninja stuff. No. <laughs> I mean, did you hear what he said? What Giannis said about the where where he threw the ball off the backboard to himself? No. Did you hear what he said about that? How he's just like, oh, you know, I. He's like, I thought, you know, I was thinking. They asked what was going through his head. He's like, oh, I was thinking, oh shoot, like I got, I'm in trouble, you know, type thing. And then, <laughs> and he said, and then he said something about like, l- luckily I'm blessed to be able to physically do something like that. Like what? <laughs> like, how humble can you be? You just threw the ball off the backboard. Some all star game shit in the playoffs. And threw it on a couple guys. And then just ran back and played defense like it was nothing. Like that was six minutes go- left in the game. That was literally the nail in the coffin, saying, "Yeah, okay, Celtics are not winning this game." Yeah, he he just has a way of changing the tempo or dictating the tempo in so many different ways. It's kind of like I hate to make this comparison because it's actually I think more impactful than the way LeBron played early in his career, where a little bit magic kind of dictating the. The tempo, moving the ball, can score at will, but a lot taller, a lot more physical. And, you know, when he's doing that, I think a big part of what we're seeing right now as I look at the stats is a lot of the the, the cast behind him aren't really hitting their shots. And so, <clears throat> and so when he can facilitate and dish as much as he wants, but, you know, you need your – you need a Middleton, he's not there. Uh, you know, Lopez is good for a three. You've got uh, Drew Holiday, obviously, is good for a three. All those people are good – driving kick guys and if they're having an off night which it appears they are for the first time in like seven oh, games you know you might find yourself pretty deep into the ditch but that that can turn on pretty quick too and then um you know that cast really does a good job of stepping up and i think that's what i like about the playoffs this year more than anything is there's plenty of stars because it's the nba and it's a stars league but um, beyond that, it's it's actually really good team basketball from from all the eight teams left. They're they're at least somewhat enjoyable to watch. For some reason, I, I can't stand watching the Heat that much. I also don't really like Jimmy Butler, but there's good basketball Same. being played. Um, you're not the West is a lot of run and gun, a lot of shooting threes and stuff like that. But there's there's just good movement to the ball. There's there's it's seems like the way the soccer is described as, as a beautiful, artful sport. I think when you take LeBron James out of <laughs> the playoffs, all that's left are, are great teams that um, gel well and play well together and pick each other up. That's what I like about it so far. Well, I just love, I love um, so far this year with a lot of the teams is just the defensive schemes that are happening. Um, the adjustments game to game have been phenomenal across the board. You know, I mean, that's that's the kind of thing because that's that's really where when coaching really comes down to it is in the playoffs. You really fight, figure out who the good coaches are because they're the ones who are going to make those game to game adjustments. And you know, look at Boston tonight. They've only <laughs> yeah. allowed they've only allowed the Bucks to shoot ten threes mm-hmm. so far tonight. Yeah. So and speaking of coaching, coach, I'm going to put you on the spot. Maybe you you have a or an answer ready. Maybe you don't. But I'm seeing Doc Rivers get raked across the coals in the media for how he handles press conferences and, and just his coaching abilities from your, from your experience. Uh, what do you think of doc rivers and, and how he seems to be shirking blame for past lost series past years and, and how he, you know, he's leaving and beat in and all that. What do you think of doc rivers as a coach? So it's hard. Like, obviously, you know, he's won one title. Okay. And look who was on his team when yeah. he won that title. Um, 
obviously being a coach and, and and knowing you know what goes into preparing guys for a game for games and i can't even imagine dealing with the egos that people deal with in professional sports so it's like that's got to be that's got to be a whole different aspect of coaching in itself um but at the same time those egos get there too with uh with these some of these professional coaches and i think right now doc needs to kind of get out of his own way a little bit and he's so stubborn in the decisions that he makes and like things that he does and he talks about some things like I think he said something about like with like the DeAndre Jordan thing with playing in big minutes and everything and said something about like how well the you know the rest of the guys want him want want him to be playing and everything and it's like well you're the coach yeah you figure it out if he if he's not because because then they then they go on some like really big run when they had like a like a small lineup in or whatever mm-hmm. and then he continued to stay with his normal rotation and play the play play Jordan it's like what are you doing. You know, or when he pulls uh pulls all of his starters out with like just under five minutes to go, down twenty, and you know, mm-hmm. that I, pride. He made a comment about about uh, in Toronto against Toronto, like with under five minutes to go, it was like a twenty nine point game. He left his guys in there because Toronto was capable of coming back. What? Well, you kind of contradict yourself when you say, and now you're saying your team can't come back with less with a twenty point deficit in five minutes. Uh, but the Raptors can't against you. Um, I don't know. I just, I think he, I think there's a lot of, lot going on with him right now, like internally. And I don't think he's sure of what's going on um, necessarily, but doc is just one of those big names in the, in the game. And, you know, unfortunately sometimes people let that stuff get to him. And I think that he thinks that because he's doc rivers, he can just do whatever he wants and it's going to take him to the promised land. And you can't just rely on, things that happened in the past, you know, cause each year is so much different. And I think he needs to step his game up to be honest with you. Doc Rivers needs to reinvent himself. Or, or just uh, have somebody in PR prep him before post game. it's like, yeah, there's a lot of word twisting, but you kind of still serve it up on a silver platter the way he puts it. There's uh, a lot of the NBA coaches I notice don't necessarily subscribe to coach speak the way the NFL does. Like try getting any straight answer out of anybody other than Dan Campbell and you won't. Uh, But in the NBA, it's, you know, a lot of those guys, they just don't care what people think. um, And they just tell it like they see it. And I think with doc, it's gotten them in a little bit of trouble. I also think that at a certain point, just let the guy coach. Um, He's, he's been around forever. He's not dumb. And I, I also don't like seeing a new headline every other day where it's just going after what somebody said in a post game. So that was just something that I came across today where I was curious about somebody else's opinion on it. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's hard. It's hard not to criticize guys like, like him though, because he does like himself a lot. Yeah. You know, and when those guys aren't being successful, it's like, okay, you're this big, great coach. Do something about it. Yeah, you've made yourself this not sympathetic character. Yeah, like don't a, don't let people like then do something and don't let people be like, well, maybe the only reason you did win that title is because of KG and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Ray Allen was doing half the coaching on that team. Yeah, and yet he was, and yet he was played out to be the bad guy throughout the whole thing too. So, <laughs> yep. I, I, that's one of those championships that you're just like, yeah, that was that was nice that you just you just bought a championship. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that started the whole thing, kind yeah. of right. Yeah, definitely. That definitely was 
uh, gas in the fire for LeBron to join the super team, and, and the rest is history. I think Gary Payton was on that team too, if I'm not mistaken. Somebody else, there was somebody else on that team that was a yeah, little. Yeah, I think he stopped in Milwaukee for five minutes on his way there. He hated it here. He did not want to be yeah. here. That was my favorite Sweet. player growing up, Gary. Sweet. Yeah, Sweet. I was so excited. I made a giant cardboard cutout of a white glove. It looked like the hamburger helper glove, and it said, "We love the glove." And every time he did anything, I'd stand up and scream, "We love the glove." It was a whole thing. I got on TV. I was, I'm very good at getting on television at, at games. Anyway, speaking of LeBron and super teams and so forth, the Heat, dominant. Now the favorite to win the East, all starting five in double digits. They won 106-92. They were down 51-50 at half. Harrow, Tyler Harrow straight out of Whitnell High, 25 points off the bench. Are the are the Sixers dead? They, the Heat are like a gritty team that just. I mean, I thought Jimmy Butler's banged up. They weren't sure if he was going to play or not. I'm like, oh, they're in trouble. They don't. I think he had like 15 points, something like that. What do you think, Coach? How do you see this series playing out? Well, for one, I think Joel Embiid is soft. Yeah, um, you I can tell when he was he, crying about the MVP thing that he was soft. I think that. I think that the mild concussion that he has was an add-on to make it seem a little bit better that he wasn't playing. In um, wrestling, they call that putting him over. It's like, hey, bro, put on a face mask and go play. Like, what are you Rip doing? Rip Hamilton dominated man. with a face mask. Yeah, well, it's the playoffs. Are you kidding me? An orbital fracture? Like, dude. <laughs> I'm glad this guy is coaching my high school team. Yeah. <laughs> I just give me a break. That's what they make those things for. If you have some some sort of like facial issue going on, right? You broke your nose or whatever. I mean, is it going to be painful? Yeah, probably. But if you, I mean, he he's the MVP of of our league, allegedly. Give me a break. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so a couple days ago, I had the exact opposite opinion. And as I was thinking about it today, I was talking with somebody else. And they're like, oh, he fractured his orbital. I was like, yeah, he's going to have to wear the mask. And then I, it ran through my mind how many players have done that, including him, over the last couple of years. And then it hit me like, I guess he probably should just put on a mask and play at least. I don't know what it's like to fracture your orbital bone, but it can't be great. But it seems like. That's like breaking a finger. Like, great. It's, not, it's definitely going to affect how you play, but you still play. So I might have uh, flip-flopped on that one. I think you might have just convinced me. I mean, the only thing that – the only thing – I was curious. I just Googled some symptoms and, like, some issues with it, right? The only thing that I can see that would be obviously a problem would be that you can experience double vision. So, like, I could see that being an issue and I could see that that being something, but – wouldn't you at least want to give it a shot? Yeah. That's kind of my take. And you'd know right away if you had it because there's no disguise for that. Like you're not giving it a shot at all. You're just going to be like, yeah, I'm out for at least the first two games. What? I'm looking, <laughs> yeah. at, I'm looking to trade him at this point. <laughs> but no, yeah, I'm kidding. But, I'm, I'm kidding. Call I'm it kidding. a day. Yeah. But like for real, man, like if I'm the front office, I'm not very happy. No. Because this is supposed to be the year. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally up for grabs this year. I, I agree. Um, you know, the, the thing is, I don't like the guy that much because he, he is kind of a – seems like a little bit of a punk. But 
you got to really respect a guy who has really stuck it out and really been the trust the pot process guy for as annoying as that is. I do have a lot of respect for somebody who has at least the integrity to stick where he's at, not demand a trade, not because it's been, it's been just a mess around him in Philly. And so for that reason, I figured if he was out, he must really be out. But yeah, a lot of guys do play through it. And it's, it's kind of disappointing that yeah, your, your MVP is, is out. And yes, the concussion felt like it was a little extra flavor in the storyline to, to make it seem a little bit more digestible. But let me ask you a question though. If you were treated like a king, the second that you like got were brought into an organization, would you ask out? No, I mean that that dude that dude's been treated like royalty since he got there. But the thing is, yes. But in the grand scheme of things, he hasn't won anything, and so you would think there would be this fire inside of him that is just. Uh, like, I don't know if he's one of those guys. He does cry a lot, though. I will say he's passionate. Not as much as Kenny Pickett, but almost. <laughs> Don't get me started on Kenny Pickett. <laughs> I I think we're seeing Joel Embiid, I guess is what I'm getting at. It's pretty disappointing. Uh, yeah, like you said, at least try. You take a ball to the face and then you're like, I'm out. <laughs> then I get it. I get yeah. it. I'm not signing up for that either. But I I really uh, – I'm really kind of disappointed that um, that we're not seeing him play because this series is obviously dictated by his his existence on the court. And it's honestly a great matchup. And uh, I think we found out, we didn't find out, we were reconfirmed what everybody knew was to be the truth, and that's James Harden can't pull the wagon by himself, and he has no interest in pulling the wagon by himself. Even like, well, even Tobias Harris had a really good game yesterday, but I, I was just shocked. I looked at it a little bit ago, and he was like a minus 25 oh. yesterday. And I mean, he had 27 points, you know? So I was like, oh yeah, he had a good game. And then I, I was like looking at some of that wow. and the plus minus, you know, I can, there it's, it's, it's a stat. It's not one that I would say is a tell all tale for things, but when you have like Harris and Maxi both being like negative 20 plus, that's not ideal. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. Like Lou Pinella said, statistics are like bikinis. They tell some of the story, but not all the story. But yeah, seems, man. Seems like health is going to be a big factor. These teams are just beating the hell out of each other. These Eastern games seem like they're going to go a ways. I don't know. Philly might just lay down now. And then we got in the West, the Warriors and the Grizzlies. Steve Kerr says game two will be, quote, the most physical game of the season. They barely, barely got by by one last game um now they're playing memphis again obviously who leads the led the league regular season 49.2 rebounds and six and a half blocks per game they're down there just banging on people can golden state play that way can they handle a memphis i feel like they're california pretty boys i think about steph curry i don't think about toughness draymond obviously but the rest of the team, I don't know. I think he's like the Dennis Rodman of the of the Warriors in that um, he sets a tempo. He's almost he's a bit of a bruiser. He's he's a big when I mean, he's on the court. You know he's on the court, and without him, 
Uh, it takes away a little bit of that physicality, but I mean, the Warriors are still probably the most tenured best led team from coach all the way down. Um, I, I, I can't bet against the Warriors. I, I just can't. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty big clash of styles with those two teams playing against each other and just the way that they want to do things, um, how they score and stuff too. I mean, like you watch, you watch guys like, uh, like Jackson for, for the Grizzlies and how he just pounds you in the paint and stuff and really, really gets physical. And, um, you know, the way that, the way that jaw attacks the basket and everything. And then you have guys like Steph and clay and pool who just chuck from literally like 30 feet. And it's, just a normal shot for those guys, and no one questions it, right? Poole yeah, so, has I mean, way more of the twenty-point games than I thought. He's got like thirty-two games or something like that of twenty or twenty-five or more points. Yeah, he's he's talented, man. He's really good. Oh my god, he has really come on. Um, he's he's exciting to play to to watch play, and the fact that the fact that he was leading them essentially, yeah, not just a role player. No, he he has definitely surpassed that. He has definitely surpassed that now. I mean, he is the real deal. But uh, again, you know, like John was saying, I don't know how you bet against the Warriors, especially, you know, in the first couple rounds here, just by the amount of firepower you, power you look at there. But um, the thing that I love, it's, oh, sorry. Um, no, you're, you're good. The thing that I love about the Warriors is that they almost seem like a case study in mental toughness. Um, I think it starts with Steve Kerr. They, they don't panic. Uh, if you watch the end of the game, I mean, Steph bricked a shot to, to take the lead. And then Clay gets, uh, Clay gets fouled, and he misses a couple free throws. And they kind of just are like, yeah, well, we got the win. And they squeak it out like they expect that – you know, somebody's going to let them down or they're going to let themselves down and somebody's going to pick them up. And there's this forward momentum that they have that um, really you can only get after you've won, you know, championship after championship. And and this belief that somebody's going to get it done, I'm not going to beat myself up too bad. Um, I, Clay, his quote after, when you know, missing those free throws, which was uncharacteristic, was, yeah, I'm human. It seems like they have this kind of – uh, emotional or mental toughness or just they, they aren't shaken the way uh, you see so many players in the league um, uh, that that's kind of the thing where that's what I'm betting on is somebody somewhere is going to step up for them and there's not going to be a scapegoat. There's always some, some amount of slack that they're cutting each other. Should ask the, ask the people that bet on the Warriors minus two and a half. If it's okay for Clay Thompson to be human. <laughs> it's okay to be missing free throws as a professional. Yeah. Not when well, you're one of the best shooters in NBA history. Exactly. It's true. You're allegedly doing it, that just, it just blew my mind at the end. They're just like, yeah, we won. Cool. And yeah. <laughs> it's just like winning is so natural to them. Even with John Morant getting a pretty good look, you know, yeah, even on the other end after um after Steph uh, bricked the the three, he comes down and he comes up with a huge block. He just finds a way to tap that ball just where it needs to be to get possession back. It's it's crazy. Yep. Yeah. Not a lot of situations they haven't been in at this point. Giannis only has 16 in the third quarter right now. 
<laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. We're coming back. We're coming back. We're only down, what, 17? 19. There we go. Yeah. There's a, there's a movement in, in college to essentially become professionals. If you guys heard about this kid in Miami, Isaiah Wong has an NIL agent. That's a thing now. NIL agents. Um, this NIL agent I learned has 111 deals with the university of Miami. He says, um, Isaiah Wong, the star guard will enter the transfer portal. If they don't get him a better, better NIL deal, like right fucking now, he said, quote, if Isaiah and his family don't feel that the NIL deal meets their expectations, they will be entering the transfer portal tomorrow while maintaining his NBA eligibility. This was on April 28th. And by the way, the Florida law doesn't even permit schools to be involved in the NIL process. So I don't know what they're really asking. This agent has a kid named Nigel Pack, and he got him 800000 over two years and a car. So I don't know what he got this kid, but this is the, the new gold rush, the new Wild West. Um, I'm... Not sure what's going to happen with these. These kids are going to become millionaires and and never play it down in the NFL. It's a real double-edged sword. Yikes. As a high school coach, I mean, what do you think about all this NIL stuff, these these college millionaires? It's nuts, man. I don't even know. I don't even nuts. know that I have a good enough I don't even know that I have an educated opinion on like what to even say about that. It's so wild west. I don't know what it exactly even is. It reminded me right away when I saw that, like, what is it? Like two years, 800,000 and a car. And it reminded me of blue chips right away. (laughs) And how crazy that, how crazy that whole thing was. And, And it's just like, but now it's, this is, it's real life and it's legal. Yeah. People, people ask for this. People asked for this, and I'm not saying I'm opposed to it, but it's becoming almost like baseball and no salary cap and just say, here's what we got for you. I mean, it's like they just decided one day, okay, you can do it, but gave no guidelines, no boundaries, no rules whatsoever. Other than the school can't be part of it, but that's a Florida state rule. That's not even an NCAA rule. And that's got to change, right? Like, come on. Yeah, what are we doing? One hand can't know what the other is doing? I mean, you're just asking for for all kinds, especially in a place like Miami. I mean, <laughs> you put me in Miami with 800000 in my pocket and the ego of an elite athlete, I'm getting in trouble. Yeah, I could figure out some cool things to do. <laughs> yeah, We're clearly- I'm not finishing the season. We are clearly in the beginning stages of a pretty great 30 for 30 documentary on this for sure. Yes. <laughs> no doubt. There's, no there's going to be, there's going to be a whole series. It's going to be, what did Miami do? I mean, good grief. If you thought it was nasty business before and you legalize it and it's, it's going to bring in more and more used car salesman types, which I don't know. As bizarre as it sounds, it was almost better when it was cloak and dagger and some guy with a McDonald's bag. It was. And it was a worst secret. Now it's like, well, what constitutes payment? What constitutes, like, are we going to start seeing real estate swaps? Are we going to start seeing, like, because having a finance degree, I I can just 
imagine how creative they're going to get with compensation. And while it might just be cash now, it's it's crazy to see how this thing could blow up. It almost reminds me of like people like Bitcoin. It's like, what is this? What's going to happen? I, I don't know. But I know somebody's making a lot of money and somebody's probably losing a lot of money and stuff like that. The second, second thought I had is, you know, to this guy in Miami, like, what do you, th- what do you think you're going to get outside of Miami? You don't think Miami's got everything that you're looking for? Like, okay, you play college basketball. If I were Miami or the person on representation there, I'd say, you want to try your luck over in Louisville or Kansas or Kentucky, or would you <laughs> yeah. like to stay here in, in Miami where there's there's barely any rules and everything is served up to you on an oyster? You know, it's like, uh, yeah, go to Gonzaga and see what they're going to do for you. Um, go up to Philly yeah. where they just lost one of the best basketball coaches of all time and see how much pull he's got. You know, go to these blue chips and see what they're going to offer you that's better than Miami, which is second to Vegas, probably – uh, the place you're going to have the most fun. I was going to say, isn't it funny that this is all blowing up and it's Miami? <laughs> you didn't you like the I mean? beautiful women, drugs, and all the sunlight, <laughs> and just and just the history. It be SMU, of the U, Miami. Oh yeah, like, it's funny that it's funny hey, that God, it's all coming full up? circle again, what? and now like they're right in the middle of this whole it ordeal. It had to be and, them, and they're all just like. It's legal. It's fine. Everything's fine. What? We're not doing anything wrong. What sport is, what sport's going to get corrupted first? Like what sport's going to go down first? Is it basketball or football? Is it basketball? Cause it's smaller. It's easier to see it. And basketball's kind of already been corrupt yeah. the whole time. Hasn't it pretty much with the, with the shoes and Nike and re you know, so it, it's, those guys are still, like just sit, just got on the bench. Like they're ready to jump back off the bench and get into the NIL deal. Who was the, uh, who's the godfather of shoes? Oh, that really corrupted who- Nike or corrupted basketball. They did a whole 30 for 30 on that cat. Yeah, the godfather of it. A couple years ago, right? With Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think he's going to be on an NIL I mean, deal already? Yeah. It's like, there's like a Frank Abagnale situation. He's the best yeah. guy you want. You want to get the guy who was doing it. Or I've got one better for you. It's a gold rush for guys who are Buddy Garrity from Friday Night Lights. It's just (laughs) all those sleazy types that love to have – just come on over. We'll have dinner. I'll show you some figures. It'll be great. What's the ball brand? Is it Big Baller? Big Baller brand? Yeah. Are they all up in this or what? I don't think Big Baller brand is – is uh what's what's the term uh financially destitute yeah solvent (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think they're no longer well he's been quiet for a couple years so i can only imagine he's broke yeah probably oh what should we move on to we got a packers draft the packers selected some players we sat here and watched them select quay walker i thought it was clay walker it's Quay Walker, Q-U-A-Y Walker at 22, and then Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle at 28. So an inside linebacker and a defensive tackle. A couple more weapons for Aaron Rodgers in the first round. Still sitting at, at, in his entire career, they have drafted one offensive player in the first round, and it was Jordan Love. So 
They're keeping the tradition alive. They took a kid named Christian Watson in the second round from North Dakota State. I They actually traded up to do that. I didn't know that until today. So they must really like him. I know people in Minnesota are freaking out that we got this kid. They think he's going to be good. They're worried he's going to be good. I don't understand the connection between North Dakota State and everybody in Minnesota. But they're fans. And then in the third, we grabbed some dude named Sean Ryan out of UCLA because we have to draft at least one guy out of UCLA in the first three rounds. And then in the fourth, we took a guy named Romeo Daubs, D-O-U-B-S, Daubs, Naja, Naga, not going to work here anymore anyway. He's from Nevada. We took him at 132. And then some guy named Tom Zach. That's not a real person. Is that Mike Thompson? Offensive line. He plays. No, this is Tom Zach, not Tom Kazak. Tom Zach. He plays guard, tackle, center, whatever you need Tom to do. He'll get out there and do it for you. He's a grinder. So now that I've sat with it a little bit, I'm okay with the draft, I guess. If this Christian Watson kid can play. Because the nerds said we're good. I saw the PFF nerds, or no, Warren Sharp. He said we were the second best as far as drafting for value. Whatever that means. I don't know. Maybe we'll be good. I fear this could be a bad Packers team. Are you optimistic, Coach? John hopes we suck. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Coach is a stop talking. Coach, you're a Cowboys fan. Wait, I mean, I let's talk about <laughs> who did the Cowboys draft? Did they draft anybody you, you like? I didn't pay any well, attention. Wait, hold on. Time out. Pause. We got to talk about Jerry defending. I saw way they too were hard. way down on the bottom of the efficiency <laughs> and, uh, and, tracker. And just the man being full ego pulls up his sheet. Oh, look, look. It's like, dude, stop showing your sheet <laughs> with all your analysis. <laughs> I did research. <laughs> 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 Some guy named Connor handed me this <laughs> fucking salt in his McGriddles. I respected that move so much. That was a real, you only live once move. I mean, you really, you really want me to talk about the Cowboys draft right now? I, only for 30 seconds. I mean, they, Hey, they drafted, they drafted a tight end out of Wisconsin. That's uh okay. Another tight end out of Wisconsin. There we go. Getting into the NFL, we baby. We have a couple of those. Did Fumagalli ever become a thing? He was really good at Wisconsin, but and then he got drafted, I recall. But uh, I don't know what happened to him after that. He was the nine fingers guy. Coach, do you watch the Packers or only the Cowboys? No, I watch the Packers for sure. He has to. You live here, you have to. It's the law. Yeah, no doubt. I just, I mean, I don't think that... I mean, overall, do you really think, I mean, so you think like a guy like Aaron Rodgers, he didn't seem like he was all that upset with how things went with the draft. And I think he also understands that he's going to need an elite defense if he wants to win a championship. Um, And he even made the comment after day one, too, that that he, he was a lot of the guys that he saw a ton of value in as far as wide receivers went weren't first day guys. Yeah. Maybe and Watson was his choice. I, yeah, it could be. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I don't, I think, I think the Packers did, I, they did what they were expected to do, I guess. You know what I mean? And you kind of, just like we made fun of the Cowboys and how they draft 
Um, and they went out of the norm in the first round for the first time and stuff and kind of shocked everybody in that like spark conversation. But when you, and then you look at everything and don't worry, like, and they, they still took a wide receiver with, you know, their third pick in the draft. So, (laughs) yep. Gotta um, do that. (laughs) But, uh, I don't know. I, I think, I think that the Packers want to continue to build on that defense. And I think they want it. And that's kind of why they went that way in their first couple picks. And maybe they're going to still make some sort of splash on offense as far as making a trade or st- figuring something out. I mean, I doubt it. I doubt it. I think they had a very over 21 mature draft. It was a four hour dinner party. Yeah. Drinks were served in the middle there. It was fun. The third pick was fun. Everybody got rides home. Yep. It was very responsible. <laughs> no police showed no, up. It was a yeah. good draft. They didn't, they didn't trade AJ Brown or anything crazy like that. The Steelers selected Connor Hayward, brother of Cam Hayward. I'm not sure what position Connor plays. But that now makes four sets of brothers they have on the team. They have the Haywards, they have TJ and Derek Watt, Trey and Terrell Edmonds, and Carlos and Khalil Davis. I don't know who these Davis brothers are, but that's a new one. That's never been done before. They also took George Pickens, the guy that I was all worked up about wanting to draft. But did you see the video of him watching himself get drafted on TV? It was very odd. He's just standing in front of the TV in this weird posture, like a prairie dog, kind (laughs) of watching as he like leaned back, but also with his head leaning forward. I didn't, I didn't like it. The body language was no. And also he just got in a car accident and slammed his face into the windshield. Mm -hmm. I just red flag city with this kid. So I'm, I'm turns out the guy who is paid to be a general manager knows better than I about who we should select. Especially the Steelers. I think the Steelers have <clears throat> earned the right to say they're the best at drafting wide receivers too. And I mean, they keep it in the family. So maybe all those sets of brothers will help keep them in line. It also makes, it also makes sense for Pittsburgh. It just seems kind of like an incestuous town to have all those family members. I've been through Pittsburgh <laughs> quite a bit. They love a problem wide receiver too. They love a Martavis Bryant or an Antonio Brown. This guy. We see him like shooting himself in a mold. club. Let's draft him. He's got yep. three good years, <laughs> and he'll stay out of trouble in Pittsburgh. Now, if he was the Jets or if it was Miami or Vegas, I mean that's happening second week there. But in Pittsburgh, it takes you three years to really get into some trouble. <laughs> yep. You you got to make it pretty high up, Eric's fantasy draft board. Then you then you fall off. Soon yeah, as he drafts yeah, you, that's about when you get week arrested. three of the first time he drafts you, that's when you yeah. go insane. Yep. <laughs> then you get arrested. Oh, what else happened during? Oh, Hollywood Brown was traded from Baltimore to Arizona just in time for the DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I think maybe Kyler cried and wanted Holly. Hollywood Brown was at the Cardinals draft party. So that deal was done. He already knew he was like to the point where he flew out there and partied with them. <laughs> I did some quick math. Um, the Cardinals wide receiver core, as far as guys we've heard of, 
is DeAndre Hopkins. Well, not until week seven. Now, more on that later. Andy Isabella, Rondale Moore, and Hollywood Brown. The average height of these four is five foot nine and a half. I don't know if that's going to get it done. One of these guys, I think Rondale Moore is five foot seven. How? Like, that's amazing. You made the NFL at five foot seven, but I don't know what they're trying to do to this guy. Which means he's really five foot five. That's how I read it. They're giving him the shortest team of all time. Like the only receiving core in NFL history that I would look normal sized next to. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? Back to these siblings for a second. What is the deal with that coach? Do siblings either both suck at sports or they're both amazing at sports? Or is it that they grow up in the same house and they see the routine and they just practice the same? I think it's an accountant. Nature versus nurture, I guess. I think it's an accountant saying, hey, that's less season tickets we have to give away for free. Same parents. (laughs) Yep. A lot fewer. (laughs) I'm kidding. That was a stupid accounting (laughs) joke. Oh, what else we got in the NFL? The Saints found money for Honey Badger. Other teams keep signing guys. You can't sign anybody. Three years, thirty-three million with eighteen million guaranteed. He's got twenty-six interceptions in one hundred and twenty-nine career games. But I think his leadership and his attitude is more more important than you know what he's actually going to bring you statistically back. I'm going to find that out. He entered the league in. 2013 new age is 29. So a three-year deal. That's going to take him to 32 years old as a safety. You can play a while maybe, but the saints are going for it. I can't decide if they're going to be good or not. I don't think they're going to their total is seven and a half. The under is plus one fifty. I almost like that. Trying to starting to figure out. I think the Bears was around there too. Totals. Last I heard, the Bears was the Bears floating around yep. there. Bears is seven. The over is plus one fifteen. I think I like that too. I think the Bears take a step. Justin Fields figures something out. Well, there's seventeen games. You can at least win seven of those and give me well, a I push. Think, I mean, does the has the division taken a step back? Detroit got Maybe. better. Um, Detroit got better. Green Bay is. Yeah, with Hutchinson. Green Bay is I'm, best you're going to split that. Uh, Minnesota is yeah. always a wild card. Yeah. I, I think I'm more, I'm pretty happy with the, the Bears draft because it, it's clear that Ryan Poles got here and was like, these guys suck. And just started drafting yeah. good players, starting with Corner, who was probably the smoothest dude in the draft with the Jerry Curl. Um, then we went safety, which is good because if you've watched any Bears games, you, they don't tackle or cover in the defensive backfield. And then we <laughs> no. went and got a speedy wide receiver who is about 40 in NFL years. He's somehow 25 years old. So, you know, in the analysis, they talked about what his mentality was. And it, it was just clear that he was like, we need it best available. We got to start filling the cupboards here with players that can play and not necessarily just go over the flashy guy at wide receiver or the best wide receiver because we need a wide receiver. It was more, we need guys, let's draft guys. And I like that because we haven't, we haven't had a whole lot of that recently. 
I'm cautiously optimistic about your Bears. I think they could win seven games. Yeah. Schedule comes out May 12th. We'll the see. Schedule will be easier just because they didn't make the playoffs. And they typically schedule playoff contenders against contenders the following year. I think I could bet the over, but ah, man, I don't know. We'll see. We might have a lot of rookie starters. It might be like that freshman team. Coach, you might be able to relate where it's like you come in and the 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 seniors or whatnot, there might not be a whole lot. You got to do a little bit of culture change, get some of these young guys some playing time and whatnot, because it's, it's going to almost feel like a high school team where it's like, oh, yeah, that guy's been we just drafted him and now he's leading our secondary in tackling. That's where you could see <laughs> that's where you could see them having a really strong second half of the season. To where things all of a sudden start gelling, they they get caught up to the speed of mm. the NFL, and um, things just start to fall fall in place a little bit, you know. Because I, if you're going to be super young in the you know in the NFL, man, like it's a different animal coming from the college game, without question. So I think that it's going to take some time, and I think that it could look, it could even look ugly. I think you know early on, but. I think that there is, yeah, like you said, that just started drafting good guys and getting good guys around in the organization is going to help, obviously. And it could, it, I think you could, I think you could definitely argue that their second half of the season is going to look a lot stronger. If your running backs will stay healthy, that'll be a lot of fun. What's up? I said if the running backs will stay healthy, that'll be a lot of fun. That would sure help Josh out in the beginning of the season if he could rely on Montgomery to carry that rock for a minute and. True. It would help out a bunch. What, it, coach, what, honest, you- what I think they need, just my last thought, is I like uh, I like the going defense, defense. It sends a message a little bit. You know, I, we need somebody to light a fire under Get Eddie Get back Jackson. to that Bears team that they used to be. Yeah, we just need a little bit of a fire. And that's kind of disappointing to say after the defense that we've had over the last couple of years. It just got... I mean, complacent. I mean, Khalil Mack, the the thing nobody wanted to say was that he was a little bit disappointing in, in terms of his output. Now, there's nothing against him in the locker room or anything like that, but it's just like, geez, uh, kind of wanted more out of you, Khalil. Yeah, so, kind of mortgage the future guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, you know, think of having some young, fiery guys in there will help a lot. Just even for culture, just can we have a culture of tackling on defense, please? Your other Khalil I like a lot, Khalil Herbert, the running back. Mm-hmm. I got him stashed on my on my dynasty squad. He looked real good last year in the couple uh opportunities he got. Yeah. Um I try not, try not to put too much stock in, in running backs because they're a dime a dozen unless you have a generational talent. And I think it's gonna boil down to blocking more than anything, because we've got one of the worst lines in the league. And when you have that, I mean, what's the shelf life of a of a running back that gets hit four times at the line of scrimmage every time. So like I've been saying all along, I think I like the approach of uh, a lot of offensive linemen and, and getting guys in the, in the building is the, is a new thing that I'm, I'm reading about that I like, but gosh, with Justin Fields, we have to have a line. And until we do, we're just, we're just playing house. Yeah. I mean, there's, we're not going to get anywhere. Oh, oh the bears. Ah, oh, the Bears. Tale as old as time. Let's see. What? Uh, let's go over some season totals and uh, divisions. I got here. I took 
Eagles plus 250 to win the division because I assumed after the draft they would be the favorite to win the division. I guess maybe I got swept up in the in the moment of the draft and all the transactions. Maybe I got too excited about Jordan Davis. Maybe it's my complete lack of belief that the Cowboys can win anything of significance. I don't know. But I expected it to be like minus one fifty. So when I saw plus two fifty, I bet this is where this is where uh the gambling guys say my model, they talk about how their model showed a different number. I don't have models, I just have ideas. Um <laughs> so I think I think the Eagles are gonna be a fun team to watch, especially if AJ Brown can keep both of his knees intact and so forth. Um the Falcons <laughs> this is this might be ridiculous. The Falcons are 11 to 1 to win the division. I think if anything happens to Tom Brady, if he becomes a human or if he breaks his leg, I think the Saints might not be good. Who do they who do they got? Jameis and a new coach? <laughs> Who's their coach? Well, I asked this Chris, last Chris, find time. out who I asked this last the time. Saints coach is. We did this last time. Yeah, we uh, we keep He's we not forget remembered. the guy's name every time we bring yeah. Oh, he was Every their D up, I think he was their D coordinator promoted. Yeah, he was like the hand-picked guy. Which is the least Saints thing worse. I've ever heard in my life. Dennis yeah. Allen. Dennis Allen. Some kind of, I don't know, teacher's pet maybe. But he might not win eight games. What do they got? They got a, a good enough defense, Alvin Kamara and that Alave kid. They got players. That's just the Saints yep. identity. They always have players. I, don't know. When, I have if, a little bit of faith in Mariota too. If we're talking NFC South and win totals, can I put on my tinfoil hat for a second? <laughs> oh, absolutely. We love those. So we should make one for the studio. So here's kind of Dumb. like, uh, shit. I'm going to try to outdumb everybody in the room, but um, I don't think the dust is settled on, on Tom Brady in the Buccaneers. I still think there's stuff where he might go to Miami or something. So I might throw five bucks on the under on on Tampa Bay just because for some reason I don't like the way he retired, unretired. And I feel like the dust hasn't settled on that whole thing. And for some reason, I feel like he could move. Just a hunch that I have. Again, tinfoil hat thoughts. But I, I'm not convinced he's going to play for Tampa Bay. You never know what that He was trying about. very hard to get out, according to yeah. certain sources. And it's Tom Brady, and it might be his last season. I don't know that he's just going to roll over and say, I guess I'll play for somebody I don't want to play for. That's my thought. Yeah, Tom Brady does what Tom Brady wants. It's been that way for a while. Well, well it's hard, our pro- hard to believe that he's going to play for a team that he doesn't think can win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why else would he play at this point? Right, there's no other reason. Our producer tells me we've been at it for an hour and I still have a bunch of stuff left. I'll, I'll run through my I'll run through my um season long props that I got already. Let's see the Saints the Falcons, Bears over seven, Lions under six is even money. I don't know. I might put an entire paycheck on that. Lions under has been very good to me. Seahawks over six and a half. I think they get a quarterback, whether it's Baker or somebody else. If they have a, a competent quarterback in DK Metcalf, that's seven wins. I think the Bears get their shit together. Um, the NFL schedule comes out May 12th. Kentucky Derby is this weekend. I don't know. I don't know who to bet on in the Kentucky Derby. We were going to have a Derby guy. I don't know. He's a busy guy. We'll figure it out. 
The one thing I did want to get to, we'll talk about the college pitcher who tackled the batter. That was like two weeks ago. That's officially old news, and we can bring it up whenever. We'll talk about that on Saturday because I do want to get to that. But um, while Coach Smith is here, we're going to do, we're going to launch a golf show for, well, we're going to launch it, what, before the PGA Championship, um, before the weekend of the 19th. So... We're getting the uh, the particulars all worked up for that. The name, the uh, the artwork, the music, and so forth. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to learn all about golf, and I'm going to get rich. Coach Smith caddied at, or currently does, at Aaron Hills, where they play majors, no big deal, for almost 10 years. So he knows what he's doing. Adam's a PGA pro, so he knows a little bit about golf. I think we're going to win the people some money. Coach, are you excited? I'm excited. Yeah, no, I, it is. I'm, I'm excited. I think it, it's fun to talk about golf, and I don't think, uh, I don't think sometimes golf, especially in like the the gambling world, gets enough credit because it can be fun to mm-hmm. to sit and play with and and kind of check out the odds and you know maybe win some money. And there's some, yeah, there's just it's it's uh it's fun because there there's so many trends and things from t- from week to week in different um, different tournaments where guys play in tournaments consistently throughout their careers for reasons, right? And it's why they play at certain courses because they can play well at these courses, you know? So it's fun to look at those things. Yeah. I like how everybody's 10 to one or 30 to one or 50 Mm -hmm. to one. That's my kind of stuff right there. And before the masters, we did a little bit of stuff about that. And I enjoyed that. And I even watched a little bit of the masters. I kind of got into it. I might be a golf guy. I don't know. In my 40s, I might become a golf guy. I'm already an Argyle Sox guy, so I'm halfway there. Yeah, I, I love gambling on golf. It's the only sport I actually gamble on because it's also one of those where um, if you start watching, you can start seeing the tempo guys take, how confident they look, the live betting. You've got four days. It's it's For somebody who's a layman, to watch and to gamble, it's a lot of fun. I did I did a good amount of that last summer. Try to do it this summer. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> it's going to be fun. We're all going to do it. All the cool kids are doing it. We'll just, we'll, we'll get rich betting golf and we'll all quit our jobs. It's going to be amazing. Well, I already quit my all job. Right. So, uh, yeah, that, that, determines, of us. that determines how much I gamble. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that it's might a, be, you might gamble more now though. Just, yeah. Yeah. John Rom is going to be awesome. John Rom when paid me last summer that was nice we'll get out there i'll get out there with a golf club and a camera and i'll show you guys how how to golf that's what we'll do (laughs) or somebody can teach me how to golf we can go with coach and he can show us you're not a golfer at all huh i've been if i had to guess i've been i've been golfing a total of 12 to 15 times i go an average of once a year in my adult life basically about but some years I went two or three times, so then other years none at all. It's been probably how, so, two. how social is that one time each year? Oh, it, that's that's what it is. It's a social <laughs> event, <laughs> or I'll find an outing or something where it's you know just random Johnny six packs who don't know how to swing a golf club. I don't want to play with people who know because then they'll be behind me and they'll get pissed off at me because I take too long. Speaking of taking too long, it's a weeknight, Coach. Thank you for joining us, people. Thank you for listening. We got to get up in the morning. Chris, kick the outro music.
You've been listening to Patriot Sports Radio. If you're sick of all the national talking heads and biases of mainstream sports media, like we are, this show is for you. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. For more content and merch, hit up www.patriotsportsnow.com. Find us on Twitter at Patriots Pod, on Instagram and Facebook at Patriots Sports Now, and on Getter, Rumble, and YouTube at Patriots Sports. Take care, and we'll see you next time. 